Let's pray before we get into the Word. Father, uh, again, I just lift your name high. I pray that you would clear this room of any distractions, Lord. Uh, just be with us in this hour. Uh, let your Word be lifted high. And let there be no distraction uh, between you and the hearts in this room, Lord. I pray that anything I have to say would hide behind the cross. And Lord, that your name would reign supreme in this room. In your great name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, A good associate pastor always starts with a joke and ends early. I will do neither. Am I joking? We'll see. I was going to take my watch off and set it on this podium so that I wouldn't go late, but it won't stay. So we're out of luck. Well, it is an honor to be before you uh, preaching. Um, Bob asked me this morning, hey, Darren, are you nervous? I said, yeah, I'm nervous. But it's going to be a good morning, amen? As soon as I get situated. Well, we know a couple of things, don't we? We know this world's crazy. Amen? All right. Just making sure y'all are awake. We know this world is broken. We know it's full of diseases, COVID, right? Uh, we, we, we just don't know what's going on, right? And so this morning, we're going to look at what got us here, right? Because we know many years ago, like 6,000 years ago, uh, life was not like this. Life was perfect, Right? God created this world, this earth, mankind, all animals, all creation to work together. And yet somehow, today, we walk outside and we see a broken world. And so the question we're going to ask today is, how did we get here? And at the very end, we're going to ask, how do we get back? So how did we get here? Well, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. We're going to start there and work our way through chapter 3. And so, Genesis 2, 25. So while you turn there, let me give you an update as to what was going on uh, up to this moment in time. Now, luckily, we're in Genesis 2, so not a whole lot has happened up until this time, except for creating the entire universe and all that we know. And so God created everything. He created mankind. And like I just said, life was perfect. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're enjoying fruits of the tree. They're enjoying companionship with the animals. Uh, Adam is ruling over them. They're in the presence of God daily. Life is perfect. It, it cannot get any better than the way it was up until this moment. And so we're going to find out what happened. And so starting in verse 25 of chapter 2, and then we'll go through chapter 3. So verse 25 says this, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. I'm sorry, let me uh, go to the right lines. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you to not eat? The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the God The Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, so a lot of verses there. So we're going to unpack that. And so the question is, how do we get here? How do we get to a broken world, right? And we know that Adam and Eve sinned. And introducing sin to the world cause it to be broken. But let's look more in depth because we want to know how to guard ourselves, correct? And so let's look more in depth. And so we have Adam and Eve in the presence of God enjoying an amazing life with no toil and no pain. And now we have the three things that led to the fall. And so first we have, if you're taking notes, probably not, that's fine, the temptation of the fall. So number one, the temptation of the fall. And this is the serpent denying the word of God. In in, in verse one, Uh, he says, did God actually say, so imagine you're there, okay? Picture yourself as Adam or Eve, you pick, and the serpent comes up and says, did God actually say you can't eat of any tree? So not only is he questioning, but he also misquotes. God didn't say you couldn't eat of any tree, right? So he says, did God actually say, we know the serpent is crafty. Says that right there in verse one. We know the serpent is subtle, kind of sneaks in, kind of tends to lean to your ear to know what you want. 
and we obviously know he's tempting, okay? And the serpent, we know throughout Scripture, is Satan. And so we have to be aware of that. And the serpent, or Satan, tempts in multiple ways, okay? Now, this is very important. Notice he says the fruit is good for food. He says, Eve, look, that, that fruit won't kill you. Eat of it. It's good. It's good for food. It is good for your body. That's an appeal to the natural side. It's an appeal to the natural side of, of our flesh. Then he says the fruit is pleasant to the eyes. And she sees that. She says, wow, not only is it good for my body, but man, it looks good. She's looking at this fruit and says, well, it, I bet it tastes good. It looks good. It's good for the body. So that's a, an appeal to your psychological side. Then, he points out, the fruit will make you wise. He says, oh no, God doesn't want you to eat of that because it'll make you wise. And we think wisdom is good, right? But if God strictly forbears us from eating of that fruit, then it's not good. And so that's an appeal to the spiritual side. And so the serpent, Satan, will appeal to us in a number of fashions. First to the natural side, start on the outside to the psychological side, to our inside, and to our deep in our core, our spiritual side. And, unfortunately, he's the same today. He's the same today. He attacks us in the same ways, right? Same way. This is what it says in John 8, 44. You, this is Jesus speaking, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus does not think highly of Satan. Amen? I mean, he kind of uh, lays it all out there. So, that is the temptation of the fall. We see that, God, that the serpent denies the word of God, puts doubt in our minds, put temptation in our minds. And secondly, we have the cause of the fall. And so this is the result. This is man and woman, even Adam, disobeying God's word. Disobeying God's word. So first of all, I'm going to point out, somebody added to God's word. And we know now, in 2020, looking back at history, adding to God's word is never good, Right? We see other denominations, we see other religions, we see other sects of uh, our religion changing God's word. And it is never good. Churches that change God's word are not healthy. And so we see this in verse 3. Verse 3 says this, But God said, this is Eve quoting God, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Well, that's true. God said that. But mm, she added to it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. God never said that. God never said you couldn't touch it, right? God said, eat whatever you want, enjoy the earth. It's completely free. Enjoy it. It's easy. Just don't eat of that tree. That's all he said. Eve says, nor shall you touch it. And we'll get to more of that in just a moment. But uh, now we look at Adam. Okay, a lot of times, especially men, blame Eve for taking the fruit first, committing the first sin, and saying, well, man, I mean, we, we were in a sinful nature then. You know, man is basically innocent. No, not at all. Adam had plenty of chances to make the right decision. Plenty. And I always kind of knew that, but throughout the study, I realized how many times he failed. First of all, 
When the serpent came up and tempted his wife, he should have struck the serpent's head and killed it, or shooted away at the very least. God gave Adam dominion over the whole earth, over all the livestock, everything. And so when this serpent sneaks up and starts tempting his wife, he should say, no, get away from my wife, get away from my family. There's no place for this here. But he didn't. We also see that he could have corrected Eve when she misquoted God. Okay? Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, not a fact, but more than likely. Okay? So, this is Darren's take. We have Eve and the serpent communicating, correct? Eve misquotes God. Well, why did she misquote God? Where did she learn the law? She learned it from Adam. We know in chapter 2 that God created Adam and the whole world. He gave Adam the law, do not eat of this tree. And then, notice Adam was lonely and created Eve. So we have Adam, law, Eve. The only way for that law to get to Eve is for Adam to teach her. He is a leader of the family. His job was to teach her the correct law. So either he added to the law because he didn't trust his wife or whatever reason, he added to it, or she just, maybe he, maybe he did teach it correctly and she forgot. But either way, at this moment in time, Adam had the chance to fix it and he didn't. Then they continue to mess up, of course, just like mankind does. They attempted to cover their sin. So they eat the fruit, and then they say, oh no, we messed up. They felt shame instantly. They felt regret, and they realized they were completely naked. And they said, we have to cover ourselves because God is coming. We can't let him see us like this. Okay? So they sewed some fig leaves around them. Then, because apparently the fig leaves weren't enough, right? They hear God coming and they hide. They hide from God. Up to now, perfect communion with God in the, in the uh, garden, walking with him in the cool of day, and now they're hiding from him. So a lot has changed. And what happens when God comes up, they play what I call the blame game. If you have a sibling or if you have kids, <laughs> you know the blame game, right? He did it. No, no, she did it. Or they did it because of me, whatever. Well, this is what, where is it? Oh, it's somewhere in here. <laughs> Verse 11. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, now listen to this. This is scary. Adam really went out here. I would have been terrified to say this. He looks at God in the face and says, the woman you gave me, she made me eat it. Uh, look, if I'm in the face of God, I'm not going to blame him for my sin. That's gutsy. And maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just blaming Eve. But the text that I'm looking at 
says, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Now God kind of holds his tongue and says, okay. Eve, what have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It's not my fault. God, it's your fault. No, it's Eve's fault. No, it's the serpent's fault. They wouldn't accept what they did. They wouldn't accept their actions. The cause of the fall is a heart issue. They disobeyed God's word. Number three, the result of the fall. So we have the temptation, we have the cause, and cause and effect, right? We have the result, the result of the fall. This is God's response. We see his righteous justice and punishment displayed here. And first to the serpent. Look at verse 14 and verse 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Sorry, serpent. Not really. Then he punished woman two ways. He punished with painful childbirth. Now this is something we have come to accept as people over the last 6,000 years, so it's kind of a part of life. But imagine this, okay? God designed new life to be completely joyous. Babies to be innocent. He designed it this way. And now the only way to have new life introduced to us, the joyous occasion that that is, is now through sorrow and pain, a punishment. Secondly, he punished the woman by submission to the husband. Literally translated, it says, you will want to rule over your husband, but I will let him rule over you. But he shall rule over you. Then he goes to man. And this is deep. In verse 17, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. He just cursed the entire earth. Why do we have hurricanes? Why do we have tornadoes? I forgot I'm in Kansas, not Louisiana. Why do we have uh, golf ball-sized hail? Why do we have diseases, tsunamis? Our sin. It's us. It's not a bad God. It's a good God that's reminding us of our sin. Reminding us that we need him. He cursed the whole earth. And now, work is hard. God makes work hard. Up to this point, God has always intended us to work. He never wanted us to be lazy. But he wanted work to be enjoyable. But now, because of our sin, it cannot be. And now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I'll get to that in a minute. Death is guaranteed. Death is guaranteed. Ecclesiastes uh, 12.7 says this, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Last week, Pastor Jordan talked about us dying and answering to God, right? Here it says, Our dust will return to the earth, our bodies will return to the earth, but the Spirit returns to God who gave it. And worst of all, the worst punishment 
the worst result of the fall, mankind is now spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. What does that mean? It means we're separated from God. We know Adam and Eve were instantly shameful. They felt like they were in shame. They clothed themselves, or tried to, and they hid. They separated themselves from God through their actions. That's where we are today. But, okay, so that's kind of the downhill ride, right? Even in their sin, even after all they did, after disobeying God's word, after playing the blame game, even in their sin, God gives an abundance of grace. An abundance of grace. And here's how we know this. First of all, God clothed them properly. God clothed them properly. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. Then he kicked them out of the garden. Now you're thinking, how is that a blessing? How is that grace? The garden was perfect, right? Lots of fruit. It was easy. God kicked them out. That was for their benefit. Well, how so? Well, let's look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, the Trinity, in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever, this tree of life, if he eats of that tree, they live forever. Immortality. No physical death. Also, that was an option, but no, they chose the tree of Wisdom, good and evil. But God said, oh no, they're still in the garden. They are in sin. If they eat of this tree, they'll live forever. Well, why is that bad? Think about it. Would you want to live forever on this earth with the storms, with the diseases? I think COVID's bad. Hang around for a couple hundred years, we'll have another one. We had the, what was it, the Spanish flu? Is that what it was called? Try living through that, through world wars, through COVID, through the next one. No, God knew our physical bodies couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle the stress, the sin, the brokenness. So in his grace, he said, get out of the garden. Because you'll want to eat of that tree now. And you'll live in sorrow forever. You can't handle that. So thank you, God, for kicking us out of the garden. Amen. Then God immediately issues a new way to God. He doesn't just kick him out of the garden and say, get out of my presence, be gone forever. No, he issues a new way to him. To him. So now here's the great question. So right now we've got a good story, right? Or at least a story. I may not be doing a good job. But we have a story. But you don't come to church to hear stories, right? I hope not. You come to church to figure out how God's going to speak to you. So how do we apply this to us today? Short and simply, we are Adam and Eve. We are no different than Adam and Eve. God gave them life. Literally, I mean, he created life. He gave them joy. He gave them relationship. And he gave them law. One law, they, they couldn't adhere to it, obviously, but he gave them life, joy, relationship, and law. What's God give us? If you're in this room right now, you are alive, right? I think so. He gave us joy. 
He gave us relationship, and he gave us law. Ten commandments, right? Now, God is so good, he doesn't just give us law. He gives us fair law. Think about this. There are plenty of rules that we don't agree with with our government, right? Whatever it may be, whatever side of the aisle you're on. But God's law is fair. Adam and Eve had the entire garden, had everything they needed, everything they wanted. Easy, easy work. God said, one rule, don't eat of that tree. He didn't say, don't touch that tree, right? Don't touch that fruit. He didn't even say, don't think about that tree. Don't look at that tree. That would have been hard, right? It looked good, so you want to think about it. It looked good. You kind of want to look at it. It seemed like good food if you wanted to eat it. But that's where God drew the line. Said, no, don't eat it. Fast forward a little bit. Ten Commandments. I think pretty fair. The first several are all about respecting God and his name and his honor and having no other gods. That's, that's fair. He deserves it. And there's a couple more about not killing other people. That seems fair. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff, your neighbor's wife. That's fair. God is a fair God. He gives us fair law. So we have the temptation. We have the cause and we have the result of the fall. And that's how we got here. That's how we get to a broken world full of diseases, full of storms, full of death. So how do we get back? I told you I'd answer that question. And you're probably wondering by now, hopefully. How do we get back? How do we get back to a perfect world Adam and Eve had? A world with no toil, no pain, and most importantly, how do we get back in the presence of God, right? How do we get back in the presence of God? Well, you have to know this. God provides the way. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. God provides the way. We know we must be adequately, adequately covered to be in God's presence. So go back about five, ten minutes in the story. Adam and Eve sinned. What they do? What's the first thing they did? They took some leaves and they tried to cover themselves. I googled fig leaves because I had no clue what they looked like. I said, what do fig leaves look like? And some of them do get pretty large, but not big enough for clothing, okay? Even if you sewed a few of them together, it's just not going to work. And so feel free to google that when you leave. I'm sure you'll be dying to know. And so the first thing God did was um, he covered them appropriately, right? And, we, and we, what we can learn from this is not that we shouldn't wear leaves as clothing. That's not what we take away from this. What we take away is we have to be appropriately covered. And we know this to be symbolism for our sin. We can't, we can't cover our own sin, no matter what it is. One sin, 50 sins, whatever. Four billion, I don't know. We can't cover ourselves. God has to have it appropriately covered, not just hidden. We can't just hide our sin. God must appropriately cover it, which leads to God must provide the covering. So we learn about our sin. It must be appropriately covered, and God has to cover it. 
we know that God initiates a covering. If you want to jot these down, uh, feel free to. I'm going to go through three verses. Romans 3.11, no one understands, nobody seeks for God. John 15.16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. We can't argue with scripture. You can, but you'll lose. God initiates the grace. He initiates the covering. So God provides the way. We must be adequately covered. He must provide the covering. And the covering must come through a sacrifice. The covering must come through a sacrifice. We see in verse 15, God acknowledges the struggle between Jesus and Satan. Verse 15 says this, I will put enmity, that's a hard word, y'all, that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What's the offspring of Eve? Jesus. He goes so far to say it under Eve's category because we know Jesus is born a Virgin Mary, correct? He says, your offspring and the offspring of the serpent, Satan, sin, are going to have a struggle. Now we know Jesus wins, right? If we don't know that, please leave here knowing that. The covering must come through a sacrifice. We also know at verse 21, the garments of skin. Okay, going back. We know up to this point, the world's perfect, right? Meaning, there was no death. There has not been a single death entire time. And now we have garments of skin, okay? Where do you get garments of skin? From an animal, right? From an animal. No animal has died yet. God takes an animal, slaughters it, skins it, puts a skin on Adam and Eve to cover them appropriately. This isn't just the first death in creation. This isn't just the first death we see in the Bible. This is a brutal death, a bloody death, traumatic. Adam and Eve have lived perfectly in the presence of God, enjoying each other, enjoying animals. All the animals have gotten along. And now we have Adam and Eve, because of their actions, they have to watch this animal get killed because of their actions, and then the bloody mess, assuming God cleaned it a little bit, puts it over them. Can you imagine that? Imagine yourself naked, shameful, having to experience that, have that animal's skin and fur put over you. It's pretty, I, I, I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. So this entailed the first death, the first sacrifice, and most importantly, the first glimpse, the first revelation of God's plan of salvation. Know this, that this, God didn't go, oh no, mankind messed up, what am I going to do? No, he knew instantly, if not beforehand, how to save us. Instantly, he goes, I want my creation back. I love these people. 
So what do we do? We need to respond to God's grace. 1 John 2, 16-17 says this, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, meaning possessions, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And hear this, The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God will abide forever. Whoever does the will of God will abide forever. Three chapters later, 1 John 5, 11 through 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever has the Son has life. That verse goes on to say, whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Just in case there was any confusion in our minds, right? He had to clarify that simple sentence for us. No, maybe for me. I'm not the smartest guy. So that was just for me, I guess. Y'all are all very smart. God gives so much grace. We see Adam and Eve did not die physically immediately. They could have. God could have said, nope, starting over here. But he let them live on. He gave them a chance to reconnect with God. God gives them hope for a coming Messiah. The entire Old Testament, in case you don't know this, the entire Old Testament, people look forward to Jesus. New Testament to now, we look back. You're opposite of me, so forward, back, however you want to do it. We look back to Jesus. We look at the Bible. Regardless of what time you live in, it's all around Jesus in the middle. So he gave them hope for Messiah. He gives us hope. So I have three questions for you today. Worship team, you can start work, making your way forward. Here's your three questions. Are you hiding your sin? Are you hiding your sin? Are you living in shame? Or... And I pray, are you appropriately covered by the grace of God? We see Adam and Eve, right? We see Adam and Eve commit sin and hide. And God says, that's not good enough. You can't just cover yourself. You can't hide yourself. You must be appropriately and totally covered by God's grace. So as we sing today, this last song, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Think about how good our Father is. Think about his grace. Think about his love for us. Instantly. Yeah, he, he dished out some punishment. He's a good God. He's a righteous God. He's a justice God. A just God. But man, he pours out grace. An abundance of grace. And know this. He's already initiated it. He's already initiated it. He's not waiting for you to make a move. He's already made the move. He says... Son, daughter, come back to me. So, he's waiting for you. Uh, during this song, I pray that you would just think about the words. And if you have a decision to make, make that decision. I'll be right here after the service. If you have something on your heart burning through your skin, come talk to me. Feel free to come to us in the office throughout the week, Pastor Jordan or myself. We'd love to talk to you.